we have no expectation, so we don't ask. And we ask, we don't receive. And so we got to put in our, we got to get into, we have to have a whole paradigm shift in our thinking when we approach God and his promises. We have to trust God and we have to trust his promises. His promises are true. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now that messed me up. It says we have to seek it. So if I'm seeking it, that means it's not easy to discern by the natural eye. Think about this. If it was obvious, then I wouldn't have to seek it. And so, and so we have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, and then all these things should be added unto us. But let me break it down for you because we, we quote that scripture a lot, but do we know what it's going to take in order for to even get this thing started? Manifested Glory Worship Center. Kingdom focused, kingdom minded, kingdom living. This is the Rhema Talk Podcast, and you're listening to Pastor Damon C. Johnson, founder and senior pastor of Manifested Glory Worship Center. So Wednesday night, we begin our conversation in Matthew 6.33, which is for all intent purposes is our tag scripture and our church is what we live by is what we strive for and so we begin to look at that and so what we did on Wednesday night is we covered the first part of that scripture where it says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and we parked there today we're going to finish that verse and do and all these things shall be added unto you so that's what we're going to cover today. So if you have your Bibles, please turn me to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures before that, but that's going to be our key scripture today. Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read today from verse 31. But before I do that, put on the screen for me uh, 2 Peter verse chapter 1 verse 3. 2 Peter Chapter 1, verse 3. Now listen to what it says in the Bible. It says, as his divine power has given to us all, what? Things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Put on the screen for me 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Look what it says. It says, for to, for to this end, I also wrote. That's not what I need. Amen. Is that what I need? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read it from what I have here. Amen. Second, First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But it is written, eyes have not seen, nor ears heard nor has it entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So it says, eyes have not seen, neither ears heard, neither entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Now let's go to our text, Matthew 6, verse 31. When you get it, please say, I got it. If you still turn and say, hold up. Amen. I asked you to turn there a long time ago. Amen. <laughs> See, I'm about, you about to get tackled. <laughs> Amen. 
I'm just kidding. Let's get there together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. And it reads this way. It says, therefore, do not worry saying, what shall I eat or what shall I drink or what shall I wear? For after these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. But here's the part. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added. There you go. Now let's do verse 34 just, just so we can do it. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about his own things. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble. We're going to park right at Matthew 6:33, and all these things shall be added unto you. God wants us, church, to have things, but he don't want the things to have you. See, that's where we mess up. We think that, see, in our society, we can't handle prosperity because when we, when we start getting things, we then say we don't need God. And saying, so what God has to do is sometimes he has to keep us in a place of needing him so we can address him and talk to him. See, if God gave you everything right now, how, how much time would you really spend with God in prayer? If you had everything your heart can desire, how many times would you come to church? I don't need it. I got everything. I got money. I got power. I got position. So for some of us, God says, the only way I'm going to keep them connected to me is I'm going to keep them in a place of need. And so when we start getting things, understand those things can't take over us and have us so consumed, and that's all we think about is those things. It's nothing wrong with having a nice car, having a nice house, having nice things, but when those things become your God, then you make God jealous, and he'll take those things away from you so you can recognize him as your God. Now, according to our text, once I become a kingdom citizen, I'm not supposed to worry about things anymore. And as king, and that's what we do all the time. All we do is worry. We're going to eat. Some of y'all worry right now. What you going to eat when you leave here? You worry. I can tell. You worry about it. Lord, we're going to eat at the church. You probably spent an hour trying to decide what you're going to wear to church. Worrying. Lord, I, I just wore that last month. Can't wear that again. I don't want to wear this. And I, you know, so we, we worry about things God tells us don't worry about. He says, and the reason why we shouldn't worry is the text says because our Father knows that we have need of these things. Because he knows we have need, I shouldn't have to worry about it. Now, this is what he says. He knows your needs, but then in the Bible also says that he will supply your needs according to his riches and glory. Now, you got to look at that. God's going to supply your needs based off of his stack that he got. Now, we know that he has a cattle on a thousand hill. And that God, as a matter of fact, our God is so bad Amen. that what is our greatest commodity in earth is his sidewalk. <laughs> they walk on gold in heaven. The most precious thing we have on the earth is gold. And they use it to walk on. So if he's going to supply my needs based on what he has in heaven, I ain't got to worry about my needs. So if he knows that we have need of these things, we shouldn't have to worry about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, and what I'm going to wear. 
Because God says, I'm going to supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. Our problem is we have a low expectation. We don't expect God to do much for us. We, we, we don't expect God. We, you know what we do? We say, we say you know, God, God to do that for him and for her, but not, 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 not for me. My, my past is too tainted. My family's too jacked up. He wouldn't do that for me. He wouldn't do that for us. So, so, so we come in here every week with no expectation. If I get something, I do. If I don't, oh, well, that's just my life. God says, you can take this thing to the bank. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, and all these things shall. Shall means guaranteed. You can, you, you can take that one to the bank. You're going to get it if you do what you're supposed to do. But we come in here with no expectation. Can I give you a sidebar? Expectation is the mother of your miracle. See, if you, if you have a spirit of expectation, it will give birth to the miracle that you need. But if you don't have no expectation, you will birth nothing in the earth. If, if I come, listen, that's like if, if, if you go to work every two weeks, you expect the paycheck. Who in here will go to work and work 80 hours and then on, on, on every other Friday go, all right, see y'all, see y'all Monday. Now you will stand in anticipation to know. You said if I work these hours, I will get this, this wage. You do realize that God says you can do, he says, prove me now. He says the same thing. He said, if, if I seek God, you said, if I seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, you said all these things will be added to me. You got to expect it. If you have no expectation, don't look for nothing. But see, we think God is a genie and he's a mind reader. And even though God can read your mind, just like your children, you know, I think I think the sister asked me not too long ago. She said, "Well, Pastor, if God knows everything, why we got why we got to pray?" That's a good question. If God knows everything, why should I have to pray? And this is the package I put in it for. I said, "Well, guess what? If you are a parent, you know what your kids your kids have need of, but sometimes you want to come talk to you and ask you for it. You you know they." And then sometimes, and then we got to take out cues from the kids because they'll ask, Ma, can I have some juice? 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 And you get so tired, oh, you take the juice. <laughs> now, you know they're thirsty. You know, that's why, listen, you know they're going to get thirsty. That's why you put juice in the refrigerator because you know that they have need. So you already have it stocked up and it's stocked up so they can come and ask for it and then they can receive it. Same thing with God. He has your window ready for you. It's stocked up. He just waiting for you to say, Daddy, can I please? Sure. But we have no expectation, so we don't ask. And when we ask, we don't receive. And so we got to put in our, we got to get into, we have to have a whole paradigm shift in our thinking when we approach God and his promises. We have to trust God and we have to trust his promises. His promises are true. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now that messed me up. It says we have to seek it. So if I'm seeking it, that means it's not easily discerned by the natural eye. Think about this. If it was obvious then I wouldn't have to seek it. 
And so, and so we have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, and then all these things should be added unto us. But let me break it down for you because we, we quote that scripture a lot, but do we know what it's going to take in order for to even get this thing started? It's two things I want to point out that we're going to have to have in order for this to become a reality in our life. Somebody say number one. Number one is faith. Number one is faith. Put on the screen for me Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. Look what it says here, Hebrews 10. It says, now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. That's what God has said. He says, the just. Now, let's talk about the. I, I think I've taught this before. The just means those who have been justified. People who have been justified mean they've been the, the folk have been redeemed. The redeemed are the ones who have accepted Christ and been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And so, those who are just, those who have been justified, listen to what it says, that we shall. That means it's not a suggestion, it's a command. That we shall live by faith. That means what's sustaining me in my life is faith, if I'm just. So the problem is that we don't live by faith. We only use faith on the emergency basis. We only use faith when we need faith. But the Bible said we should live by it. We treat faith like it's a flashlight. You know, you don't look for your flashlight till your power go out. You don't even think about the flashlight in your house. You don't, matter, matter half the time, you don't even know where it's at. You don't, you don't check on it and say, let me make sure these batteries in here are good. Let me, you, and, and you don't need it until you need it. And that's how we treat our faith. We're just living our lives willy-nilly, whatever we want to do. And then when a, when a situation rises up, oh, let me pull on my faith. When the Bible says if I'm living by it the whole time, then I don't have to pull on it. I don't have to find it. It's already there. Can I give you another sidebar? It's harder to build a house in a hurricane. Yeah, yeah. Let me, y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. It's not impossible to build a house in a hurricane, but it's hard. The wind is blowing, the storm coming. So you're trying to put something together in the middle of your storm. But if the house was already together, then you would have shelter from the storm. And so what we try to do, that's how we live our lives. We wait for something. We always are reactive and never proactive. We wait for something to happen, then we pull on God. If I'm already with God, I ain't got to worry about it. I'm already there. And so don't wait for the hurricane to come to build your house. Build your house now. So when the hurricane comes, you got somewhere to be. The house of faith. The house of shelter. But you up there trying to wind blowing, blowing your hammer away. Oh, God, help me. He said, that's your fault. And it, we have to, it takes faith to trust God and not pursue. Now, now look, look at all these. Here's the things that Jesus was talking about in the scripture. He says, you shouldn't have to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear. And our lives are consumed by these three things. We're consumed by it. And so it takes faith, church, to, to not pursue these things and to pursue God. So you got to say, God, I need that stuff, but I'm, I'm going to chase after you first. I, I need this. And God says, and the scripture says, he says, he knows you have need of this. He knows you need all of this, but he wants you to pursue him. 
And here's the thing. These, and I told you this on Wednesday night, these things represent the fruit. God's offering you the whole tree. The kingdom is the tree. And we keep chasing a little piece of fruit. We get a little piece, we just as happy and we're grinning and smiling. And God says, you selling for this? You go behind this door, I got a whole orchard for you. But you, you got to trust me. And so it takes faith to trust God. It takes faith to trust the promises of God. And we, we can't just depend on this. Can I let you in on a little secret? The Bible says that we shouldn't have to worry about food, drink, or clothing. But it's not just that. Everything that's attached to that, God's willing to give you too. Let me ask you a question. What does it take to get food, clothing, and drink? So when, when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all this righteousness and all these things, he's going to give you what it takes to get these things, and that's money. Now, what else does it take in order to, 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 to even enjoy these things? It takes good health. So, so, so I need strength and health in order to obtain these things. So when he says, I'll give you all these things, that means good health too. That means money and, and all these things, all this stuff. God says, I'll give it to you, but you got to trust me. So the first thing we need is faith. The, somebody say number two. The second thing is love. Let me show you the scripture. That's the one we struggle with. We struggle with love. Galatians 5 verse 6. I like out the NIV. Look what it says here. It says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcised nor uncircumcised has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So understand what that means, that I need love in order to even express my faith in God. I have to first love God before I can have faith in him. And we love him because he first loved us. And so we have to understand that the love and faith are connected. And that's how we can unlock this whole kingdom message. Now, here's the thing with love. Love will make faith efficient. Wow. Now, you know what efficient means. That means you get the best value out of it. It makes it stretch out. You know, you know, okay, so let me tell you this. I, I have a truck. It's kind of out of commission right now. It needs a new transmission. And um, one of these days I'm going to get it fixed. Amen. But I ain't, I'm not in a hurry to get it fixed because it's not efficient with gas. It's a Tahoe. That thing drink gas like water. Now, now here's the thing. It's not good on gas, so it's not efficient with gas. But, but I, my, my car I have now is better with gas. So guess what? Because it, it's efficient with gas, I can go further on less. And that's the same thing will happen when you have love. It will make your faith go further with less. And so that's what we got to get to. We got to get to a place of love and, 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 and understanding that the greater manifestation of faith you have is contingent upon the love you have for God and his people and his word and everything he said you had to have love for. And when you don't have love, your faith is like the Tahoe. It goes in and goes right back out. It's not efficient. Okay? So you don't want Tahoe faith. You want, who's one of those efficient cars? I mean, Prius faith. Come on now. 
I want that mustard seed faith to go far. I want to go 20 miles on that one seed of faith. I don't want to go half a block. So you need, you need Prius faith and Prius love. Some of y'all ride around them Tahoes and it's, and, it's, and it's messing up the atmosphere. Come on now, I can preach this thing. Some of y'all need an admission test done. Because all that bad smoke is just clouding everything up, destroying the atmosphere. Get rid of the Tahoe, get a Prius, amen. Get, get your faith right. So understand, church, what that means. Now understand what's going on here. He says, I want to I, I wanna give you all these things. No, 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 give me a moment to break this down for you. God says, I know you have need of these things, but you, 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 this is all you chase after instead of chasing after me. And so for most people, they rather have things than God. Not understanding when they get God, they get all things. Okay? So there, there's people who obtain all of this stuff and still realize there's something missing. So you can have all the things in the world and still feel unfulfilled and still feel empty. One of the people I always think about, and God rest his soul, was Michael Jackson. He had all these things, but still was searching for something else. Look, Michael Jackson had bubbles. He had a monkey. He had the elephant man bones. He had things. He had an oxygen chamber. I mean, what else could he buy? He had an amusement park in his backyard. He had things and still could not find happiness, still could not find joy because he was still missing because what he was missing was in the kingdom, even though he had things. And, you know, I found another man in the Bible that, was, that had things but was searching for something more, a man by the name of Nicodemus. Let's go there. Let's go to John 3. Let me show you this story. This thing messed me up, reading John 3, because most of us misinterpret this scripture anyway. I'm going to bring some clarity to this thing. John chapter 3. Now, the Bible says that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Y'all missed it. Let me say it one more time. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Y'all still missed it. So, his name is Nicodemus. He came at night. Nick at night. Yeah, y'all missed it. Don't worry about it. No, he was the first Nick at night. Y'all missed it. Don't worry about it. <sighs> I kind of slow this Sunday morning. It's going to be all right, though. So Nicodemus was the first Nick at night. So, so, so Nick, he rolled up on Jesus and he asked Jesus. He, want, he was inquiring about something from Jesus. Let's read what it says here in the text. Nicodemus, so Nicodemus said it's John chapter 3, verse 1. When you get it, please say, I got it. All right, look what it says here. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. A ruler of the Jew, Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one could do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Now, most people misinterpret this scripture because they think that Nicodemus was asking Jesus about salvation. How am I going to be, most preachers preach, Nicodemus asks Jesus, how can I be born again? That's not what Nicodemus asked Jesus. It's not recorded Nicodemus' question, okay? Nicodemus came to Jesus and made a statement. Let's read it again. Go back to verse 1. Look what it says here. Verse 1 says, there was a man, um, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, so Nicodemus made a statement. Now, we don't have Nicodemus' question recorded. All we have is Jesus' answer. And based off of Jesus' answer, we can determine what Nicodemus' question was. Go to verse 3. Jesus, Nicodemus coming to me, that's like me coming to you saying, hey, you know, Deacon Luke, you have on a shirt. And you say, well, the only way you're going to, you know, do that, you start talking about something totally different. You're like, what in the world are you talking about? It seemed crazy. Because we don't know, they didn't write down Nicodemus' question. But look what Jesus' answer was. If he answered something to me, there was a question, right? Jesus answered him and said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. So Nicodemus' question was to Jesus, Jesus, how do I get this kingdom? You got to understand this. Jesus only preached the kingdom. Jesus never preached salvation. Whenever he preached, he talked about the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. All the parables he preached was the kingdom. So Nicodemus heard the message of the kingdom and said, Jesus, how do I get to the kingdom? How do I get this thing you're talking about? He said, the only way you're going to get it if you're born again. Did, did that fly over your head or you got it? So, so understand that the question was about the kingdom. Now understand, Nicodemus had all these things. He was a ruler. He had power. He had position. He had money. He was a Pharisee. He had everything, but he was still empty because he needed something else. And he heard about the kingdom and said, how can I get that? Jesus said, the only way you can get it is you first have to be born again. So, that, so the question what couldn't have been about salvation because he would have said, you got to accept me as your Lord and Savior, blah, 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 blah. And he was talking about salvation. The question is about kingdom. We know that. Look at verse 4. Put verse 4 up there. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter uh, a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter... The question was about the kingdom. Nicodemus said, all right, what I got to do to get this kingdom? You got to be born again. All right, well, how am I going to be born again? I can't go back to my mother's womb. He said, no, you got to be born in the spirit and the water. That's how you're going to get the kingdom, Nicodemus. And so, so let me tell you what happens. Salvation, when you accept Christ, it brings you to the door of the kingdom. It don't let you in. It just brings you to the door. And then you have to seek it. And once you seek it, then you remember the scripture says, Christ says, I'll give you the keys. So what's going on? There's a party going on on the other side of this door. And if you want access to it, you need the keys. The keys are the principles to unlock the door. And on behind the door, guess what? It's all those things. The problem is most Christians live their life at the door. They get saved and that's it. They never pursue the kingdom. They never pursue the things of God. So they live their life right here knowing that there's something more and they should have something more in their life, but they never seek it to go beyond the door. So they live their life right here. They, they praise the Lord right here. They pay their tithes right here. They, they come to church right here and they never experience the kingdom because they never seek God to for the kingdom and they never get beyond this door. 
And so this way people live their life right here at the door of the kingdom. Salvation gets you here. Being born again gets you here. But you got to seek the kingdom. And God says, once you seek it, he's, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And once I get the keys, give me some keys, Tosh. Once I get the keys, I unlock the door. And then guess what? All these things are sitting there waiting from beyond the door. If I never get beyond the door, I never get these things. Because that's the door to the kingdom. Um, can, can I give you another sidebar? Water is not the evidence of thirst, but thirst is the evidence of water. Can I explain what I mean? This bottle of water don't mean that anybody's thirsty. It just means that the water exists, right? But if you have a thirst, that automatically let me know that there's a need, a greater need than what I already have. So the water is, the thirst is evidence that this exists, and the fact that you have lived your life and said, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more than me just going to work, living from paycheck to paycheck, struggling and dealing with sickness in my body and dealing with all this drama. There's got to be more to life than this, God. God said, there is. It's beyond that door. It's called the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, guess what? We get back what Adam lost. Adam lost the kingdom. And in the kingdom, he lost dominion. And dominion means that you rule and you have power, you have authority. We lost it with Adam, and that's why Christ says, I'm bringing it back. We talked about this Wednesday night. He says, in Isaiah 9, it says, and a government will be on his shoulders. And that's what he brought back. A government means a kingdom. Christ brought back to us a kingdom, and he says, it's yours. I'm giving it back to you, but it's beyond this door. Now, I brought it back. It's here. If you don't access access it, then who fault is that? You can't blame the church. You can't blame God. You only can blame yourself. So, so, so again, if I want the, the, the kingdom, I got to be born again. That gets me to the door. Then I seek God and seek his kingdom. Then he hand me a set of keys. I give you the keys, the keys of principles. Principle, give and it shall be given unto you. That unlocks the door to my financial breakthrough. And then when I get through, he got the table. He says, he's already prepared the table for you. The table's already prepared. So you got to get yourself in position to sit at the table. And that's the thing I love about God. He'll let all your haters and enemies sit around and watch you eat. He said he'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. So the table's prepared. You sit down there, you smashing, and they got to watch you eat. You get a little thirsty. And because he's a God of more than enough, he'll let you pull out some for your homies, you know. I ain't going to put it on the table. I don't want mess, to mess them up. Because you got access. Why they thirsty, you just sitting out there saying, sorry, man. You should have grabbed hold of this kingdom thing. You grab hold of the kingdom, you can get some of this too. But it takes faith and love. Even loving your enemies. Yeah. Y'all, y'all don't like that. Y'all don't like that. Yeah, he, he, you can't pick and choose who you love. You know that, right? You can't pick and choose who you love. You got to love everybody, even your enemies. Y'all quiet in this Presbyterian church. Y'all all right? The, one, the, ones, the ones that uh, disuse you and abuse you, God said you got to love them. You want to get in that door? You need faith and love. 
Yeah, 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 him, her, yeah, them. Now, understand what love means. Love don't mean then in your house every day you're eating all your food. But love means showing forth the love of God. That means, that means even if they're in need, you're going to help them. Right? So, 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 so if, we, if we want things, we can't do it our way. It has to be God's way. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I've been here all day, every day this week, so I don't know which time. I don't know if it was Thursday night or Wednesday night. But I remember saying this, that even in our worship, you realize that worship is not about you. Praise is not about you. So you can't pick and choose. It belongs to God. So, and that's what we do. So we'll come to church and, and, and uh, I, I can hoop you down and scream at you. Ha! And, and, and say yes, say yes. And then you feel all good and you stand up. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. And you feel so good about yourself and you feel good because you lift your hands. And you know what? That, that made me feel good. God said, so worship made you feel good. How did it make me feel? It wasn't yours for you to make you feel. It's, a, it's, a, it's mine. And so it should make me feel good. Not you. But we're, again, we're selfish. We're consumers. We're takers. So all is, is all about me. Let me dance so they can see me. Let me, let me do it so I can be seen. And God says, but yet you want me to give you all these things. And you want to give me what I asked you for. And do it the way I asked you to do it. People want things, but you don't want God. He said, if you want all these things, you got to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Now, understand what kingdom means. Kingdom does not mean we don't seek kingdom so we can get into heaven. We seek kingdom so we can bring heaven to earth. The Lord's Prayer, the first part of Matthew 6. The disciple says, Jesus teaches how to pray. He said, well, when you pray, pray this way, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. And that's our job, church. Our job is to make earth look like heaven. That means heaven's economy should be on the earth. Heaven's praise and worship should be on the earth. Heaven's God's glory should be in the earth. And guess what? It's going to come through you. The problem is that what happens a lot of times when God is doing things through you, you think that this is your power, your authority. And all he's doing is just use you as a connector uh, to do it through you. And that was Lucifer's problem. See, understand that Lucifer reflected the, the, the sun. He reflected God. See, that's why they call him the morning star. So he was just a reflection of that. But when people saw it, they thought it was him. Think about that. If, if, I, if I reflect something, you would say, oh, wow, he has the glory. No, I'm just reflecting the glory that, 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 that was shined on me. Right? And so, so, and so Lucifer, when, when the angels saw that brilliant glory on him, they said, he must have power. And all he was just a vehicle that God used to, to use through him. Right? So the same thing with us. Remember, we took his place. So because we took his place, we are the vehicle that God will use the church, the ambassadors, the kingdom, the, the ecclesia, the church. He will use the church to be a representation of his glory. But the problem is that we start shining and say, let me get some of this for me. Instead of saying, no, I'm just a vehicle to point you to the one who gave me, who's using me to get the glory to you. And so, so understand, if we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he says, I'm going to give you all these things, but it can't be about you. It has to be about him. And it has to be about him through faith, through love, 
and pursuing him and pursuing the kingdom. Um, let me tell you what happened. When Adam fell, we lost a lot. When Adam fell, the landlord became the renter. When Adam fell, the leader became the follower. When Adam fell, the victor became the victim. And when Adam fell, the benefactor became the beggar. And Christ said, I'm giving you back all those things that Adam lost. And it's beyond that door. It's in the kingdom. So you can now be the landlord again. You can now be the, the victor again. You can now be the, 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 the leader again. And now you can be the benefactor again. I'm going to give you all these things. Remember what they called Christ? They called him the second Adam. The second Adam realigned things and brought us back a kingdom. But the only way we're going to get it is we have to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And if we could do those things, do it in love and faith, and then all these things will be added to you. I'm done. Come on, stand on your feet. All these things. If you want the things, they're there. The table's already prepared. All you got to do is seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Thank you for listening to the Raymond Talk podcast. To listen to this message or past sermons, download the Mixcloud app in the Google Play or iTunes store. Go to mgwc.net to join and get the latest church announcements. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Thank you again for listening to the Raymond Talk podcast. Hope you join us next time.